host, Benjamin Solak, getting to the final day of position rankings here for the 2020 NFL Draft. We did offense on the last podcast. Now we're flipping sides. We're going to defense. We're going to run through all the positions and give you guys our ranking as it is the week of the draft. Before we get started, Ben, I read a review on the iTunes page and somebody said like, hey, I love the podcast, but somebody seems to be consistently rubbing their beard during the podcast and that's me because you don't have a beard. I didn't know you guys could hear that. You got to let me know. I can't hear, I, I don't know you guys can hear that I'm rubbing my beard in the podcast, so if anybody out there was listening with uh, earbuds in, my apologies. Didn't know that uh, me adjusting the beard was was coming through on the mic. Right. Had to get that out of the way. I had to say my apologies, and, and thank you for telling me, because, you know, you guys could probably hear it through different mediums than I can, so there you go. Right. Now, a couple things. One... I can't even hear this, so this is amazing. I know. Two, I, do, you, I had no idea that it was yeah. picking up on the mic. Two, you did not do this review nearly enough justice. Firstly, all caps title, please stop touching your beard, right? <laughs> Screaming. The text reads as such. I yes. thoroughly enjoy this podcast, but one of the hosts constantly rubs his beard, and I can't believe that no one has told him anything about it yet, LOL. Maybe it comes through more clearly in earbuds, or maybe there's something else going on that just sounds a lot like beard play, but it's not actually beard play. (laughs) Hard stop. Hard stop. (laughs) (laughs) What? Beard play? Listen, let's let's be honest here. Uh That doesn't sound like a a good thing. That sounds like beard play sounds like it. Brother, nothing like that. It sounds like it means something that it doesn't mean. Uh, Or so beard play. And it's one one word for him. This is an official term. Oh, it's a beard play. Anyways. Yep. It seems to happen more while Ben is talking. Here's the best part. Hey, other guy whose name escapes me at the moment. How dare ah, you? How do you feel? You remember how you like to say that it's your podcast, other guy whose name escapes me at the moment? Yeah, my podcast now. That was a hostile takeover right there. Uh, please mute your mic if you want to rub your beard. And then again, otherwise, this is an excellent podcast. So, dopamine... I want to say, from the bottom of my Ben's heart, I I like this is the best feedback we've ever received. Yeah. I'm really glad that you think the podcast is good. Uh, we will force the other host, who again remains nameless, to shave. <laughs> you mother. Um, and that'll solve the entire problem. Well, no, also, I'm like, not, we, no, I'm not going to shave. Earlier, Listen, I a- I was as baby face as you were basically until I turned 23 or 24. And I could somewhat grow a beard after that. And ever since then, like I've trimmed my beard, obviously. I haven't been letting it grow for five, six years. But I've never not had a full beard since I was 24. So we're not shaving it. That's not going to happen. But I will be more conscious of it or just straight up mute my mic if I you know, feel the need to get a good beard play going on while Ben's making his point. But no, seriously, I appreciate you telling us that. And I appreciate the manner in which you did because... Uh, very entertaining. So um, thank you for leaving that review, even though it was only four stars, which does hurt me. But I'm remedying your problem. I'm being a good customer service representative. Yeah, so. whatever your name is. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're going to hold that over me. Welcome to the Other Guys podcast. Um, <laughs> edge rusher rankings. You want to start with edge or you want to start with interior defensive line? Because in Madden, interior defensive line, in Madden, 
you actually get the defensive ends before you get to the defensive tackle. Right. So I never know which Shocking way to do it. Shocking how wrong Madden is. Oh, my goodness. We've got some good friends of the podcast that work at Madden. You shut your mouth. They are nice people. Interior defensive line. Okay, interior defensive line. You want to go first or me? Oh, uh, yeah, you go ahead. I went first for all the last ones. Okay. Who do you have at the top of your IDL class, Trevor? I'd like to hear your top five. Whoopst. I have Derek Brown at number one. We can get into mm-hmm. Derek Brown as a prospect after I name these five. I have Javon Kinlaw at number two. I think this, those guys are pretty solidified as the one-two. I'm sure that some people have them in a flip order. I'm sure that there are some out there who do have Javon Kinlaw over Derek Brown. Number three, you ready for it, Ben? You're not ready for it. Marlon Davidson. There it is. Number four, I got yeah, you Ross. like Marlon. I got number four. I got Ross Blacklock, and number five, I got Neville Gallimore. So those are my five interior defensive linemen. Where am I absolutely correct? And where are you scrambling to try to redo your interior defensive line rankings to mirror me before anybody notices? Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> Marlon's too high. I agree with you that Marlon's an interior defensive lineman. I want him rushing the B gaps. I want him inside the tackle box. Um, I think that you you have right now a player that's just so far from a finished product and also it doesn't fit a familiar mold. And so it's difficult to say, and this is how his career arc will go, and this is where he'll be successful. He's got to get to a New England defense. He's got to go to Miami, New England, Detroit, uh, Tennessee, or Houston. Like, that's why I, 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 I got to see sure, him in a place he's going to let I could yeah. see that. Yeah. And that's I think those will be the teams that value him anyway. So like the Lions are going to take him mm-hmm. at big forty, and like yes. it'll be too early, but they'll be the sort of team that can get something out of him. Yeah. Uh, I do also have Derek Brown at one and Kinlaw at two. They're separated by two slots on my board, sixteen and eighteen, according to Arif Asana, the Athletic, in front of the show, who um, puts together the consensus board for all draft experts every year. I'm actually one of the lowest on Derek Brown, which surprises me. I thought mid one on Derek Brown, uh, sixteen overall. Which I guess, like, I, I know that people have him in the top 10, but I thought there'd be more who were, I'm fine with him, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's tr- it's tricky, right? Like, player comparisons always get everybody into trouble, right? We always talk about how player comparisons make things sometimes harder than they do easier. Mm-hmm. I have Ndamukong Sue down as his player comparison, but he's the 16th best player in the class, which is, I don't think Brown is ever going to be as good as Sue was or is. No. But in terms of, like, home-wrecking power and the ability to destroy double teams, blow up running concepts, just to, like, beat a pocket to death across the course of a game, he's sue in, right? Like, that's what Sue was at his apex. He was a total wrecking ball, and Brown can be a total wrecking ball. He's not going to have the same sack output because he doesn't finish as well, and he's not as good of an athlete. Yeah. Um, but in terms that, of that— I, uh, I can't do the Sue thing because of that. I just can't. He just uh, right. I hear well, what you're saying at the right? beginning of it, I guess, but, like, a lot of people bring up Dominic and Sue because we— People have talked about, shoot, Derek Brown potentially going number three overall to the Lions. And when that happens, people naturally go, okay, well, is he worth like what Sue was? Because that's when Sue went number two overall to the Lions. Right. Um, different eras, not the same coaching staff, obviously. So it's not like it's a parallel there. But in terms of the player positions, I, I, in respect probably to both guys, I can't do that. And you prefaced it right there by, by giving a good, hey, player comparisons – they're not always as clean as we wish that they were. And I hear they you at the beginning work. of his yeah. yeah, I hear you at the beginning of his reps, but people who are thinking that he could be Ndamukong Sue, what you just said right there is so important to that. He's not the athlete that Sue is and he mm. does not finish the way that Sue does. He will give you the flash when the ball comes out. But he just doesn't finish like that. He doesn't have that in right. him right now. 
And so, right, when it comes to, so, so like, when it comes to comps, like, I have Indomitian Sue written down. Great. Tremendous. That's cool. And, like, other people go, like, oh, like, Akeem Hicks. Like, that's what he is, like, athletically, whatever, right? So, if we're saying Indomitian Sue is somewhere on the, or not, excuse me, not uh, Indomitian Sue, if we're saying that Derek Brown is somewhere on the Indomitian Sue, Akeem Hicks, Haloni Nada spectrum in terms of, like, 6'5", 325-plus, home wreckers who can still play three technique because they rush well enough with power then like cool you know what i mean like that's like if he ends up being career holodi nada or career like bj raji great you know what i mean like is that something you want to be drafting top 10 probably not right the lower end of his projections but like that's the spectrum on which he lives just massive power rushers with huge levers and and pass rush ability from the b gap which is important because they have enough first step explosiveness and then they have good power rushes so I have Brown at 16. I think he's a fine player. Don't think he's a blue chipper. Like I got, you know, uh, I got uh, four blue chip grades, which is more than I've ever given out, and he doesn't sniff one. Uh, so I, that's just where I am on him. Uh, Ken Law is uh, another one that, like, I, he's tricky because of the health concerns, but obviously, like, the in terms of players that you just want to draft because you want to see what you can do with them. Like, Ken Law's ceiling is through mm-hmm. the roof. It's unbelievable. He's Chris Jones mixed with Fletcher Cox if he pans out right so like that's thrilling i've neville gallimore at three justin matabuki at four i continue to think justin matabuki is woefully underappreciated uh, all right Ross so, Blacklock okay so hold on Get, give me give me your thoughts on matabuki because i watched him and i like him but like i don't like what he does as much as say blacklock or neville gallimore in terms of what i think that i could get from him sell me sell me on matabuki please so matabuki was asked to two gap more than he should have been at Texas A&M. He's an extremely good penetrator. Uh, what you're most excited about is that he's gets off the line, shoulders ahead of his feet, hands up and active with really good natural leverage. I think he's like six two. Like no, he's like he's, not like yeah, the tallest like six, dude. Uh, I had it up here. He's six three. He's three six three two ninety five. So, right, okay, 6295 is a little bit linear, a little bit like lighter in the pants. So he comes off the ball really well, right? And then he's got the ability to quickly activate his hands, quickly activate his feet, and just beat heavy-legged guards and centers right off the snap. And so the pressure that he generates is extremely quick off the line. And then once if I line you up head up in a gap, when you have this off-ball quickness, you're going to be able to get to a half-man relationship more often than not. And now it's a question of what we brought up with Brown. Can you finish? And among Gallimore, Blacklock, Elliot, and Matabuki, which is like this like weird kind of thick tier right. of, of yeah. penetration defense tackles, Matabuki is the most flexible, period. Right? Like, I do not think it's close. I think, like, Blacklock is good, but I think Matabuki is clearly more flexible. Mm-hmm. So... Now I think we have the player who's most likely to start garnering high sack totals in the NFL. And high sack total for a, a one technique or a three technique, I guess, if he's going to be 295. If he's getting six, seven, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're winning. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's really quality, especially if I get a round two pick. That's going to be a result of his flexibility. So the hands are extremely active. The first step works, and he, he's flexible. So I can put this guy in a three technique role, pass rushing, the most important, most high impact role in the defensive line, and I expect him to be prolific then for him to be as comfortable as he <laughs> then, is playing, well like, but so, like wait I've there's already, more so 
Jordan Elliott, Mizzou, I can make a similar argument to getting him into a three-technique role. But the thing that I can't do with Elliott, that I can do with Matabuki, is I think I can put Matabuki at the one-tech. I know Matabuki came into the combine at 295, but Mm -hmm. if he's playing a shade over 300, Matabuki showed tremendous contact balance, wide base, ability to read gaps, and to shuck blocks from centers, to work backside, to present, uh, you know, against the run in the backfield. He showed good power. Like, he has better versatility to move around my front than I think a guy like an Elliott does. So now I've got a penetrating three-technique role, which is valuable in the league, and I've got positional versatility with Matabuki. So there's a lot that I think he does well. I think he's well-rounded across the board, and he can fill the most important role. So I'm 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 there on him. Like I, This is a guy I'd stand on the table for. Okay. Uh, to round out my top ten of these guys, I have Matabuki at six. He's just like right outside my top five, but I just wanted to kind of like hear your arguing, argument for him there. I have Jordan Elliott at seven, Raekwon Davis at eight, Devon Hamilton at 9, and then McTelvin Aguim at 10, although I don't love McTelvin Aguim at 10. I want to. That's probably why I have him there above Khalil Davis or Lecky Fotu or guys like that, but I don't know, man. It's a big projection for McTelvin Aguim because I see some explosiveness. I see his size, but I feel like sometimes he doesn't carry his weight the best, and I feel like he's got an inconsistent motor when plays get elongated. And that kind of turns me off to him. But I think that he's got some some penetrating ability. I think he's explosive for a dude his size. I just don't think he's found his ideal weight yet. I really don't. So big projection here with McTelvin, but I I'm still gonna I'm still believing in him. I've, so that's why I've got him at ten. Who's who's the rest of your interior defensive line guys? Yeah, I've got Raekwon at six. Again, like Raekwon and then Marlon at, and Davidson at seven. There's only a couple there's not every team these guys are going to work for, but the teams they're going to work for, they're going to be valuable for. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight, Jordan Elliott, Mizzou. Nine, Lucky Foto, Utah. Ten, uh, Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State. And uh, my 11, by the way, is Khalil Davis, kid out of Nebraska. Okay, I have I have Khalil at 11 for me as well. Yeah, listen, Khalil's film is good. He is, yep. You know, we, we enjoyed him at the Shrine Bowl, but his film holds up, and... Uh, Twelve for me is Jason Strobridge at UNC. Who, He's like, we also, he had me, a good, so he had a good, uh, he had a good, whatever it's called, uh, Senior Bowl. <laughs> Film holds up as well. Shout out Jim Nagy. Big ups, Jim. I couldn't remember the name. Edge rusher. You good? You good on interior defensive line, guys? You want to move on? Yeah, let's hit it. Okay, edge rusher. Am I going again? Am I going? Am I? Am I just right along? Yeah, off you, the... you go first for defense, okay. Trevor. Right. It's your podcast. Do your thing. You know what? It is my podcast. Thank you for saying and reminding the people of that. Number one, huge shocker, huge. Zach Bond. No, I'm just kidding. It's Chase Young. Chase Young's number one. Caleb on Chase on. I've got it number two. Zach Bond. I do have a number three. Josh Uche. I have it number four. And then Yeter Gross Matos at number five. Chase Young at one. Kalevon Chasen at two, AJ Epinesa at three, Zach Bond at four, John Grenard at five. I have a blue I have a blue chip on Young, mid one on Chasen, late one on Epinesa, mid two on Bond, late two on Grenard. And then Gross Models is my six. I have Epinesa at six and then Grenard at seven. So we seem yeah. to see this group pretty closely, but not exactly. Was Uche in your top seven or no? Uh, I don't think he is. I think he's like eight or nine. Okay, um, he's four for me. He is. Yeah, he's eight. And like, I love Josh Uche to death, and I would die for him. But also, he's limited player because of his size. That's okay. You know what I mean? Um, if you've got a, a I'm betting on specialized rushers, man. I'm betting on him. Like yeah, Bond and Uche. But here's the thing: if you, I'm betting on him. If you've got a, a package 
where you comfortably can say, listen, I can get a guy standing up at a seven technique or wider on the field. Josh Ruger is the best player for the role because right. with a right. runway, he's a devastating yes. rusher. The thing is, like, I if you're talking about a hybrid off-ball linebacker as well, I think Zach Bond hasn't beat there. Uh, uh, yep. And if we're talking about who's going to hold up better against the run, I also think Zach Bond hasn't beat there. And so, like, again, Josh Uche is my boy. I mm-hmm. love him to death. He is awesome. He's an extremely cool dude. He's an extremely good film watch. What he does well is very exciting. I remember watching him in, uh, you know, sub-package play when I was doing Michigan defense in the summer and being like, this number six is a cat, man. Like, we got one. Um, but it's just like you have to be able to calibrate to his role, which to me is a role that I, I, I'm going to spend a, a third round pick on. John Grenard, we like he's the top five edge. We just don't talk about him. He's not like wow, you know, but he's just like across the board solid. He can ride yes, and yes. in the dirt or stand up. Mm-hmm. And he's got quality agility. He's got great arm length. He's got good enough jumps. He's got a good enough forty. He's got a good enough ten. And yep. he's just like. You know, he's got an outside rush and he's got an inside rush and none of it is spectacular. None of it is sexy, but he gets the job done and he's shown a penchant for finishing, especially in that last season at Florida. So, I mean, like, I I don't think he's ever going to be an edge one. I think he's going to be an edge two, edge three. I think I'd rather play him hand in the dirt, but I could play him standing up. And I think that he could very well end up being a four-year first contract edge two for you, and you're very satisfied with the four to five sacks he gives you on his rookie deal. Lock it in, send it home. You can do a lot worse. I went back and and I watched Grenard's film a couple of weeks ago, and and then I I watched it in succession with, I went back and watched some Terrell Lewis, some Julian Aquara, Curtis Weaver, and I'm here to tell you that John Grenard's film is better than Terrell Lewis, than Julian Aquara, than Curtis Weaver. He, He has better film than all of those guys. I don't think a lot of people are talking about John Grenard. I don't know if it's just because he's, like you said, he's he's got so much more of an all-around game than maybe a standout game. And I have Josh Uche at four, and I have him there for standout reasons. Even though he might be limited in where you're putting him, once you get him on the field, if you get him in the correct situations, I think his impact in a pass rush arsenal, if you will, I almost think that pass rushing should be viewed not entirely like running backs with committees, but I think that you should have, like, it's not just like, all right, we have our two starting edges with maybe one backup guy and a third edge that we like. No, 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 like, have a packet. Like, have ideally four or five guys that you can put on the field for different packages so that when you switch things up, when you go week to week, when the other team might force you to go a certain personnel over another, you still have a guy that can really impact in maybe a limited role, but a role that continues to get you wins, that continues to allow you to dominate or at least match up really well week to week. That's why I have some of the specialized guy like Zach Bond and Josh Uche above John Grenard, but John Grenard's fit, like we talk about scheme dependency for a lot of players, I don't think there's a scheme dependency at all whatsoever with John Grenard. All 32 teams in the NFL could use this guy. And so that's why he's in the top eight. He's in the top seven. He's ranked seventh for me. Um, after that, I'll just get to it. Uh, Epinesa was six, by the way. John Grenard is seven. Terrell Lewis is eight. Julian Okwara is nine. And then Jabari Zuniga is 10 for me. That's how I round out my top 10 edges. Uh, yeah, no, I'm... Six, Yoder Grossmato. Seven, Julian Okora. Eight, Josh Uche. Nine, Curtis Weaver. Ten, Khalid Kareem. Uh, and then Alex Highsmith and Terrell Lewis, my first out. Uh, Terrell Lewis, man. I'm just, this is just, I like, hopes. I hope he's good. Someone's going to draft him high. Good luck. He's clearly, he clearly needs a lot of work with experience. 
because of all the time that he missed. But there are yeah. times, man, when he's putting his hand in the ground and I get to watch him fire off the ball where I go, okay, here we go. Now, he looks thin on film sometimes. Like, he, he looks like he needs some weight to him. But he can also blow off the ball pretty well. You could just tell that he doesn't have a lot of experience in what he's doing. And so he is mm-hmm. he is much more of a... I was pretty big on Terrell Lewis early on in the season. Like, I talked about him as a late first guy. I talked about him being in my top five edges. I've cooled down on that. Like, I see the limitations, and I see where he really needs to improve with what you hope is a lot of experience that he might be able to get in the NFL. But that's definitely required in order for you to get what you would want out of him. I just... I like I'm enamored with the first step and everything after that is not there yet. And so we're talking he multiple years no. away. Yeah. And if you're multiple years away from me, earliest I'm taking you is round three. Linebacker. Let's hear it. Who's your LB who is your LB one? Do you have Isaiah Simmons here? Or is Isaiah Simmons at a different position? You have Isaiah Simmons as safety, right? I since saying I do have him at safety, but I also have him at linebacker. It's just like this right. is the kind of draft that we have to have him. He's Isaiah Simmons draft is, him at linebacker. Yes, yeah, that's the reality. Yeah. So yeah, I've got Simmons as linebacker one, Patrick Queen uh, at two, big old gap. Kenneth Murray at three, Willie Gay Jr. at four, and Marcus Bailey at five. Mm. Patrick Queen is a mid one, and Kenneth Murray is a late two for me. So we're talking. If you need a starting linebacker, you either take Isaiah Simmons or Patrick Queen, if you're me. We have the exact same five. For In the, order? For the first time. Yep. Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, Kenneth hey. Murray, Willie Gay, Marcus Bailey. We have the exact same five. I really hope so bad that Marcus Bailey can be healthy. I went back film and is I, great. I went back and I watched his film again a couple of weeks ago when I was going through these guys again, and I'm like, God, give me this guy in the mid rounds, please. Let him be healthy. Film is great. And if he were healthy, I think he'd be every mock draft simulation we'd get sent would have Marcus Bailey in the third round. Because, you know, whenever you're drafting the simulator, you're like, oh, this guy's injured, doesn't matter. I don't care. You, know, you just <laughs> draft him, right? Because you feel vulnerable. Um I have yeah so so I have Bailey and Willie Gay both as mid thirds. Uh, Gay is a year away. Uh, he well, I mean, much like Terrell Lewis got six total starts. You know yeah much like Terrell Lewis he has been on the field enough to just learn the the nuances, gain the reflexes, develop the habits of the position. Bailey is 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 a bit limited just in terms of like he's not the best mover in the world even before the injury. And so to me well, like first he's of a all, how he's you? a He's just a low ceiling starter, which is fine. Round three, I'll take it. Uh, I have Malik Harrison at six and Logan Wilson at seven. Akeem Davis Gaither at eight. David Woodward at nine and Justin Strenat at 10. I also have Michael Walker at 11, who deserves mention. Get out of Fresno can play. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I I guess it's just like this is the year of hybrid safeties. Simmons and Chid and Duggar. Walker is, you know, five pounds heavier than Jeremy Chen. He's like a in shorter than Jeremy Chan. He's got smaller arms. He's a little bit less athletic. Just you play linebacker in the Mount West. You know what I mean? Like he's just not sure. going to get the same run. Right. Right. I got But keep... I have, yeah, starting at Willie Gay, I, he's a mid third round grade for me. And then Michael Walker's a round four grade for me. So I don't love this linebacker class, but, but when you, it oh, turns. Yeah. Okay. When it turns on to day three, I've got situational starters and long term backups galore. And like with. Davis Gaither, Woodward, Sharnata, and Walker. That's a lot of undersized players, but you're going to get at least a, two good nickels out of that group. Six, I have Akeem Davis Gaither. Seven, I have Logan Wilson. Eight, I have Malik Harrison. Nine, I have Jordan Brooks. 
10, Justin Sternod, and 11, I have Davian Taylor. Those are the guys that I was really able to watch enough of. I wasn't even able to get to a couple of the guys that you named there. I read over the last week, somebody be like, oh yeah, Jordan Brooks, he's a sleeper to maybe go the first round. Nope. Stop. Listen. No. Listen, a a quick, a very quick, a so quick soapbox, a so quick soapbox on Jordan Brooks. Okay. 12% of his plays are NFL translatable. The other 88% are in. I'm sorry. When he just, when it, when they're in a three, one, seven set and he just sits six yards behind the line of scrimmage, watches a bunch of pullers run around. Yeah. And then when he finally figures out where the ball is, just screams head first into the first gap he sees. It's just not, he's never, ever going to be able to do that in the NFL. He's not, he, yeah. he, there's no defensive structure that gives that to him. Like people are like, oh, he's aggressive. No. He just doesn't. He's not asked to have any patience, so you, well, he's I mean, going to play. Like your makes him aggressive. I guess lack of he's patience. He's going to play. Makes you aggressive. He's going to play a different game in the NFL than he played Correct. in college. Like legitimately different. Correct. So I just don't know. Like you can talk to me about traits, but like I can't find translatable reps or at least enough of them. He never covered anybody. He blitzed. If it was a pass play, he stood there, watched the quarterback, and eventually closed downhill. He never took a step backwards in his life. I just don't understand where you're finding translatable film for this kid. Jordan Brooks seems like what a lot of people view as the hella limitations of Kenneth Murray, but just to I the get it degree. because right, I get it because of like the slanting front and the freedom to run sideline to sideline. They're both hitters with range, but at least Murray sometimes like process is a thing no, it's, and, like, that's what I'm saying. What's going it's, it's on. like you yeah. take what, what the lowest view of kenneth murray is and that's basically what jordan burke's film was you've got the downhill running back who seeks and destroys when he sees where the ball is and a lot of people who want to criticize kenneth murray go yeah that's all he is well in reality i mean kenneth murray is probably a little bit more than that it's it's i think it's a little unfair to say that that's what jordan brooks is and so like you're getting the and and not even to the degree that kenneth murray is able to do it so that's mm-hmm. the way that I saw Jordan Brooks. And so, look, there's a lot of people who have kind of been talking him up a little bit. And if you're just watching his film, I get the flashes and you could probably convince yourself of it. But I read the first round thing last week and I'm like, okay, we're too far. Like we're, we're so far too far that I need to get out of this conversation because that, yeah, that's not, that's not where Jordan Brooks is going to be thriving in the NFL as a first round linebacker. It just can't happen. Corners, CJ Henderson, corner one for you, right? like the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing I like better than a player who's not as good as Jeffrey Okuda. He's just like my favorite trait in a corner. Is Fulton your your CB2? Yeah, and he has been. He's going to continue to be because he's really freaking good. Henderson beat out Arnett for corner three, and like that's a big deal because Arnett's great. So I've got uh, Okuda as my number three overall prospect. He's another one of my blue chip grades, the best corner I've scouted. I didn't scout Ramsey, best corner I've scouted. Christian Fulton. Uh, CJ Henderson and Damon Arnett that rounds out the round one grades and then Jeff Gladney is an early two for me as my corner five okay all right I've got Akuda Henderson Fulton Gladly or Gladney Gladly and uh Gladly. and then AJ, AJ Terrell at five those are my top five. Oh, so you're you basically yeah so I have Terrell at six where do you have Arnett I have Arnett at eight okay so we were close um 
Yeah, a, a, a thing on Terrell, he's not great. He's quality across the board. Got good patience, crowds routes well. I think he's got great eyes in the mm-hmm. zone. I like the way he closes downhill. Wish he played the ball a little better. Wish he was a little faster. Wish he was a little like gra- little less graspy Wish when he's he turning around and locating the ball. Wish he was a baller. Yeah, a little bit smaller. Wish he wasn't. Okay, um, but that is to say Wish that like Terrell's going to go. He would call her? Terrell's going to go top 20. Cool. I would want him is covering it? wide receiver twos. And I think he can do that well. But, like, I don't want him up against wide receiver ones and man coverage. I just don't think there's enough juice there as compared to, like, Damon Arnett or Christian Fulton or these other guys who are going to go way later who can much more successfully press players to the line of scrimmage and deny routes to wide receiver ones before the play develops. So, like, I I think he's I pretty comfortable in press. Are you just saying, I like, feel- limited? About yeah, how I, good he, he I, I think he's comfortable. I just don't think he's as good. I watched Damon Arnett press the Clemson receivers into the next millennium. You know what I mean? Like he's uh, Christian Fulton was dominant against Alabama across multiple seasons. Like, uh-huh. yeah, he lost reps to Henry Ruggs, but like I will move on. Generally, he was <laughs> tremendous. My heart um, will move on. Yeah. Well, all that all is to say is that like I feel similarly to Terrell as I do to Mims. I watched him. I liked him, and then all of a sudden, it's like he's going to be a first-rounder. And it's like, that's just not necessary, guys. Yeah. Like, just like him for what he is. Yeah. I could see that because I, I I went back, and I was watching Mims' film after the Senior Bowl when everybody was super blowing up about him. And don't get me wrong. like There's things to like about Mims. I have him. Where did I have Mims? We talked about this on the last podcast. I can't remember. Hold on. I'm pulling it up right now. I have him seven behind Hamler. But, like... People talking about Mims as as a first rounder, like I'm not, I'm not there. Yeah, like people have him as a top three receiver, and that's just yeah, tough for me. With I, this I, class, I, you know? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, other than showing me a highlight film of what he does best, I'm not there. Okay, this isn't a Denzel Mims podcast. Sorry. No, I can see that with, with Terrell, but it just it seems like you said the NFL is really big on him, and it's kind of the C.J. Henderson mold, right? Henderson has areas of his film where he needs to get better. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The NFL is clearly looking at Henderson like this is the perfect guy that I want to mold. He has everything that you would want with the size and the length and the recovery speed and the the, the hidden strength in a smaller frame and like all of that, like the ability to not panic and things. They see CJ Henderson and they think that they can develop everything. I think that AJ Terrell is like, the lower grade C.J. Henderson when you're talking about thought process of what the NFL is thinking. That's what I hear when I hear, oh, the NFL views A.J. Terrell as a top 16 guy or a top 20 guy. I feel like they're looking at this saying, okay, if we can't get C.J. Henderson because he's going to go into the top 10, let's take a similar approach to maybe a less talented player in A.J. Terrell. I feel like those are parallels there. And what the NFL is, is looking at. Just draft good players. Just draft the good one. Just draft Christian Fulton. He's just good. He's good right now. He's good at football right now. And then when you draft him, he'll be good at football because he's good right now. Listen, I agree. Who's your 6 through 10? Uh, so, yeah, 6 is A.J. Terrell at Clemson. Uh, 7, Bryce Hall. I think it's scheme specific, but I like him. Noah Benogany, 8. Good developmental guy. Trevon Diggs at 9. Scheme specific. Still needs some work. Uh, 10, Jalen Johnson out of Utah. I don't get it the the hype i mean he's physical he's scrappy and he's 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 got good eyes but we're talking about a player who's regularly physically outclassed and panics when he's physically outclassed so to me i see a guy with a low ceiling i don't, I don't want him on anything more than a, a wide receiver too and even then i'm worried about him getting picked on uh right below johnson by the way michael jamudi at 11 and harrison hand out of temple at 12 uh 
yeah, in terms of you want to corners to develop, man, Ojo Moody is a smart cookie. Uh, he's got really good eyes. He's got a good frame to play up on the line. And then Hans got ball skills like wide receivers, man. I mean, in terms of generating turnovers, if you can teach this guy how to be more consistent in his framing, how to maintain leverage down the field, he's going to generate a lot of plays for you. So I like those two guys a fair bit. I got Jalen Johnson at six after you talk crap about Jalen Johnson. There he is there. Um, yeah, I well, I mean. Amik Robertson from Louisiana Tech is actually seven. I love his game. I'm a sucker for it. Noah Igbenogany is actually eight. Damon Arnett is nine. I miscounted because I'm bad at counting. And then Trayvon Diggs is ten for me. Okay, so you're like like Bryce Hall out of the top ten. I just so Bryce Hall is eleven for me simply because I don't know. Like I have no idea. I what don't the angle. know. I like I loved Bryce Hall when what, what year was it? 2018 because this past year is 2019. That's how calendars work. I loved a lot of the stuff that I saw in 2018, but that's two years ago, right? I mean, like, I just have no idea at this point. The ankle injury was rough, so I just don't know where I'm drafting the guy. If 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 it, if right. it would have been fully healthy and he would have even gotten better in the next year, I'm probably having him right around the, the, the five range, like somewhere between, like, five or six, I would think. But there's just so much unknown because of that injury. That's why I, I've got him right outside the top ten. I'd probably take a chance on him there, but not – if I don't know the medicals myself, you know what I'm saying? I hear you. I mean, like, you know me, I, I rank agnostic of medicals. So to me, a healthy haul is a good haul. Oh, wow. A, a healthy haul is a good haul. Wait, wait, did you say the second haul? H-A-U-L? Right, yeah, yeah. I realized when I said it, I was like, oh, there's some homonyms going on uh, here. Welcome to the Locked On Homonyms podcast. Safety, final group that we're going over here in the 2020 NFL Draft. Let's hear it, Ben. Who's your five? Uh, so number one safety for me is Xavier McKinney, and appropriately so. Um, <laughs> if you do say so yourself. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, Grand Delpa at two. Kyle Duggar at three. Oh, boy. Kyle Duggar's, Kyle Duggar's three for me? Hang on. Oh, boy. Think, we are going to differ, my friend. I think this list is incorrect. Hang on. This doesn't look right. I don't think that this is an accurate. Hang on. I'm going to double going, check on my. We are going to differ, I think, a lot in this final group. Well, I Dogger at three surprises me. I don't feel like that's true. Hang on. Okay. Go and check on the draftnetwork.com. Okay. Because I'm looking right. at my own, my own personal grade sheets here real quick. Okay. Yeah, right. I have Cal Dogger safety three. Wow, I like Dogger. Okay. <laughs> um, so I got McKinney, Delpit, Dogger at three, uh, Antoine Winfield at four, Jeremy Chin at five. You have Winfield what, like one? Uh, no. So I have Isaiah Simmons one because that's just right, like yeah. the cheat the, the cheat code here. I have Isaiah Simmons listed twice. I have Xavier McKinney as my safety one. I I, I went back and after I kind of said like you know I think I'm going to have Winfield as safety one. I went back and I watched both of them. McKinney just does so many things really well, and I have Winfield at three because I'm very, very impressed with his football IQ, and I hold IQ so highly when it comes to safeties. But over the last couple of days even, I went back and I made some final tweaks to what I was looking at. I, I watched a bunch of Xavier McKinney, and I think he has that safety versatility that a lot of that a lot of teams are looking for, where it is that almost kind of hybrid linebacker slash strong safety slash potential free safety feel where you're matching him up in man coverage. You could put him down and help in the run. And I think he's smart too. He shows... Uh, a, a pretty high IQ when it comes to run fits as well as how to play certain coverages. And anytime you play in a Saban defense, it can get pretty complex. You've got to know a lot of things. And I thought McKinney did it really well. And so all of that plus his athletic ability, give me Xavier McKinney. 
Antoine Winfield is my safety three. Grant Delpit is my safety four. And then Jeremy Chin is my safety five. I'll tell you, I got Ashton Davis six, Terrell Burgess seven, Kyle Duggars eight, Kayvon Wallace is nine, and then Brandon Jones is 10. Those are, those are my 10 safeties. And so I figured we were mm-hmm. going to differ a lot from the safety group. You've got Duggar at three. I've got him at eight. Yeah, I'm surprised I like Duggar that much. I, I, I think I, there's just going to be a massive jump for him. Well, he's like, here's the thing. He's a linebacker, you know, like in terms of functionally what he I, did for Lenore Ryan. Right, and I hear you, but you and I had this conversation about Duggar being a linebacker, and he is, what was his weight? He's 215, and he's yeah. pretty filled out on the frame. So if you add 10 more pounds, then guess well, what? I know, he is so still a small linebacker. I don't think he's going to play linebacker in the league. I'm saying when you draft him, you, you're you drafting a guy who played at the line of scrimmage between the tackles fairly frequently. So you're drafting a player who looked at the field like it was a lot, like from a linebacker's perspective. You're putting him in the box. You're going to, have, you're going to be giving him a lot more time to respond two plays they develop in front of him, but he's also going to be responsible for a lot more layers of coverage. He's not just going to be sinking underneath the first layer, right? Um, what's got, what, look, if, if I'm selling somebody on Duggar, it's going to be the fact that what we have from an explosiveness perspective at his size is going to give you like a, an elite deep half to, to hold defender in terms of if you're putting him in deep coverage. And that's the thing is that like, you need to take this player and move him further back by, beyond the line of scrimmage, not for any processing concerns, but simply because that's where his range of influence is going to be the greatest. Now, he ran that 4-5 flat at Indianapolis, and that's really exciting because it allows you to project him positively towards playing deep half coverage mm-hmm. and having a large range of influence. So, like, the best dugger that you're going to get is going to be one that a team rotates from single high to two high and lets him play sometimes in the hole, Cam Chancellor, and other times deep half. Rayshon Jenkins, and he's able to to impact a ton of passing plays from there. And then in the event that you need to go big nickel or you want to rotate a guy into the box against a 12 personnel team or like an 11 personnel team that goes nasty like the Rams, Duggar's going to be the player you bring into the box because he's comfortable playing in that role. And that's what makes him so exciting. Hmm. Yeah, I, um, I'd love Did you have Geno Stone? No, I never. I didn't get to watch him enough. Watch I, the, him. The only, Literally watch him tonight. The only thing that I was able to see from him was kind of like highlights and clips I saw on Twitter, and obviously that's not enough for me to do analysis. He's a top seventy player. Watch him. So, man, a lot of people were high on him. Okay, so he's well, okay. So here's the thing about like so it's, it's Micah Hyde and it's Desmond King and it's Amani Hooker and it's Geno Stone. He's a genius. Like he's just you. He makes plays. And you're like, how did you know? Like what was the how what was the evidence? Like this is unbelievable. So like for his film study is great. And then secondly, it's he's the, hella um, not athletic, isn't he? No, I mean he's not a great athlete, but neither was Desmond King, and I don't think that the Chargers are regretting that. I mean, yeah, okay, okay he's, he's okay. So he's. Per mock draftable, 5'10", 207, which is 6th percentile and 48th percentile. Arm length is in the 0th percentile at 29 and 4th. Jeez. Um, 4'6", 240-yard dash, 20th percentile, 33.5 vert, 24th. Broad jump, 116, 21. 12 reps, 12th percentile. Yeah, he's about He's going to be... Okay, but like what, when it was Desmond King coming out of iowa okay right it was he's not a good enough athlete to play deep middle he's not a good enough athlete to be corner so okay put him in underneath zones the Chargers put him in underneath zones he's been yeah. excellent for them as their nickel corner geno stone's gonna play underneath zones okay he's gonna play over two to the box okay and he's gonna react read and react from hook curl to curl to curl flat zones and that's what his responsibilities are gonna be and he's gonna be great at it so if you put him in a role where he's gonna be successful 
And if you put him in a role where he's not going to be athletically exposed, I should say, mm-hmm. he's then going to be successful. But the thing is, the noggin on this dude's unbelievable. And that's I'm, what gets me excited about him, is I'm, that I just think that he anticipates so well. I'm a big sucker for guys who, yeah, have high IQ and can really process things very, very well when you're on the back end, because I think that is such an important thing. Yeah, you got to have the athleticism, and I think a lot of people harp on that being such a calling card to playing single high safety, but... You're also you've got to be able to scan the field. You've got to know coverages. You've got to know routes. You've got to know your zone. You've got to know the zones of people around you. It, you've got to be able to read the quarterback. You've got to be able to anticipate break on the ball before it even gets out. All that goes into playing safety, and it's almost man. I want to be careful here because I don't want to insult rare athletes too much, but like it's almost more rare that we get guys who process things on the back end at a high enough level to be an impact player than we do just athletes who we want to put back there to say, oh, they can go sideline to sideline, or like, oh, they can break on the ball because they have that speed. you got to have those guys that know that it's coming too. That is such a valuable trait, and that's also course, why yeah. I have Antoine Winfield Jr. as, as safety three and a guy that I think is going to be a top 50 player in this class because he can do that. So I'll watch him. I'll watch him. I promise I will before before draft night rolls around and I'll get a good idea of him. Uh, where do you think he's going to go? I know you said you think he's a top 70 player. Do you think he gets drafted? He's going to go in special teams land, right? Like round four. Okay. Um, you know, where uh, King was round two, but King, a lot no, more he's coming yeah, in. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's um no, but he's going to, he's going to go at the turn, right? Late okay. round three, round four. Sure. That's where my hooker went round four, but that was too late for hooker. Hooker was so good. Um, I like these Iowa defensive backs case. Can't tell. You got an affinity for him. Did you, were you high on Josh Jackson? No, he's that's different. He was okay. a bad corner. <laughs> okay. These are the good safety nickels, all right? Jackson, Jackson would like Jackson should have gone where Ojemudie is gonna go uh-huh. because they were relatively similar players. Just Ojemudie just didn't have three interceptions against Ohio State. That's yeah, that's what that's what did it for him. That's definitely what did it yeah. for him. There we go. Prospect rankings for the twenty twenty NFL draft class from myself, the other guy on the podcast, as well as Benjamin Solak. <laughs> We're going to be going over our mock drafts tomorrow, Thursday, which is the morning of the NFL draft. I'm very excited for it. We're going to get you guys caught up on everything that we're hearing, whether it's been on Twitter or not. We're going to be able to discuss where we think guys are going, trades that are possible, what could happen on the first round of the NFL draft, and yeah, get you guys some hype going into it. Very excited for it. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.